guys, we all have it. We have this voice in our head that no matter what we're doing, it's criticizing, it's critiquing, it's constantly the dialogue in our head that's talking. It's whether we're playing basketball or whatever we're doing, there's this constant dialogue judging everything we do, and it doesn't need to be the case. And that's what we talk about today on this episode. I'm joined by founder of the MindSport app, the first meditation app for athletes, Ryan Stock. Ryan also was the author of Buddha Was a Baller, uh, a book that talks about meditation and mindfulness for athletes particularly. This was an awesome conversation. Ryan and I have grown closer um, in these last few months since doing our first podcast a few months. So Ryan is returning. He's a podcast OG. And you guys know the vibe, the Mind Body Hoops podcast, whether I'm talking to authors, speakers, physical therapists, psychologists or more we're trying to find the tools tactics and perspectives that will not only make us better athletes that will also make us better people in general i appreciate you guys for tuning in and i just have been loving the support so far if you haven't already it would really mean a lot to me if you could leave me a review on the apple itunes app that's kind of like the currency of the podcast space and that's all i ask from you guys so i appreciate you guys again love this episode love ryan and enjoy this episode i had with the founder of mindsport Ryan Stock. All right, Ryan, we're recording, my man. Happy to have you back. For everybody listening, this is Ryan Stock, author of Buddha Was a Baller, founder of MindSport, a meditation app specifically for athletes. Ryan and I did a podcast a few months back. Since then, we've stayed in touch. So I, I recommend everybody uh, checks out that podcast for more of the, the story behind Ryan, kind of how you got to where you are, and kind of how we dove into this kind of mindfulness and meditation approach to athletics. Um, but I'm excited to get a little specific and dive a little deeper with you, my man. So thanks for hopping on the podcast. Yeah, I always love our, our conversations, uh, both on and off the air. So thanks for having me back. I, I love the, the first round of this. Can't wait for round two. So thanks again. Yeah, man, it's, it's cool to be working with someone so like-minded and, and especially in the athletic space, talking about things like meditation and mindfulness is, is such a out there idea. And I again, want to preface like I did last episode. This isn't a religious spiritual topic that we're covering today. This is very much so a, an exercise for the mind, although it can be spiritual and, you know, foster the spirit in that kind of way. It's, it's a performance enhancing conversation we're having. So I just want to lay the groundwork with that, but you have this section in the app and I've been diving deeper into the app, again, a meditation app for athletes. And there's this section called self one versus self two and, and kind of how you help walk people through this internal battle that people have with like different parts of their psyche. Is that right? What, what is that process and that problem first off to lay the groundwork? Um, no, I appreciate the question. There's, there's a lot of layers to that answer and you're exactly right. Um, and so I think the best way to start is, is probably, as we mentioned a lot within the app, a ton of people physical or focus on the physical components of athleticism, making their body bigger, faster, stronger, or doing skill work. Um, but there's so many layers to the mind and the, and the mental side of being a high level athlete. Um, and a majority of that starts with the topic that you're, you're talking about now. So unconscious versus conscious mind. And then uh, what's known as self one versus self two or self a versus self B. Um, so starting with, with that point, if you think about when you're playing basketball or any sport for that matter, and my name's Ryan, so say I make a good move and miss what was an easy shot, miss a layup, something like that, and I'm like, dang it, Ryan, or come on, Ryan. Um, you know, same thing if you get beat on the defensive end on a play you shouldn't get beat or whatever the case may be. We have those conversations with ourselves a lot, and 
you have to stop and think like, who are you actually talking to? And in reality, we are talking to someone. And, and most of the time, that's our unconscious mind. That's the other version of ourselves. And that one's way more powerful. The, the studies vary on this, but anywhere from 10 to 100 times more powerful than the conscious mind. Um, so all those thoughts that that mind's having, that negative self-talk, um, whether you're hearing it or not, whether you think you're listening to it or not, it exists and it's affecting your performance. So um, that's kind of the crash course of it all and that there's another version of you that exists, what's known as that unconscious mind or, or self one versus self two. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely yeah. out there. It's definitely affecting your performance. So uh, if you aren't already, you need to start to be conscious of how you talk to yourself uh, consciously and consciously and unconsciously because it's it's definitely affecting your performance. And I've been diving, and love that we're talking about this because I've been diving deeper into that especially. And I want to kind of try to package the unconscious a little more because it can sound like a woo-woo term maybe a little bit especially if you're not into that world yeah. it kind of is like there's studies or not studies but there's evidence that shows a lot of what we do is unconscious it could be up to 80 percent of our day-to-day -day activities on or off the court comes from a place of like acting out of subconscious so to clarify like we're breathing that's an unconscious behavior but we're doing it all day long our heart's beating there's all these things that are going on um, we wake up, we, we brush, there's behaviors we do that are unconscious so that our conscious mind can kind of focus on the bigger issues. How does this kind of come into play with athletics and, and what you're saying with maybe negative self-talk, all that kind of stuff? Like my idea, at least my understanding of the subconscious is that it's our unconscious is it's this behavior or set of, it's like a program that we're running on. And it's this set of, you know, patterns that we're running on. How does that kind of come into play when it comes to actually talking to ourselves. Yeah, so the one of the examples I use a lot in how to explain what the unconscious mind is exactly, well, there's two. One you use is a really common one, which is driving. Um, that highway hypnosis that you hear about sometimes when you're on your way to work and you don't even remember the last three or four minutes of driving because you haven't been paying attention. Well, that's your unconscious mind essentially driving on autopilot um, where you're tentatively paying attention, you know, at a background type level, but your unconscious mind is actually operating the wheel. Um, another example I use is if I told you to think of your cell phone number right now, you could do it, right? You could spit it out, you could recite it, but you weren't thinking of it until I said, what's your cell phone number? Well, those types of thoughts, memories, um, positive and negative, they're all stored in our unconscious mind. And we retain that information Sometimes when we need it, but other times it can affect our performance like on the basketball court where you may be unconsciously thinking every time I do this, it doesn't work or I'm not a good shooter or I'm a terrible free throw shooter, whatever the case may be. Um, so those are ways that the unconscious mind can start to affect your performance in a negative way. Now, the flip side of that is there's ironically a reason that you always hear about announcers saying he or she's playing out of their mind you know, he or she's unconscious, they're in the zone. And that's for the exact same reasons. We've all had some type of performance like this in our life where everything's coming so naturally, everything's happening so loosely that you are no longer thinking that everything is essentially reflexive. Um, so the shot release, catch, shoot, form, like your feet beneath you, your follow through, you're not having to think about any of that stuff anymore. And obviously that's a beautiful feeling when you rarely get to that level, um, whether it's playing pickup, playing in some kind of rec league, or actually playing college or professionally. 
Um, when you get in those zones, when you're performing unconsciously, that's the highest level of performance. Um, it, it happens very rarely because we haven't, you know, figured out how to access and control our minds to that level, at least most of us. But there's a reason that it's called the unconscious mind, both in a positive and negative place in athletics. And it's, you know, you talk to yourself, like you said, and you're so I, I do something, whether in my career or trying to, you know, be around better relationships or athletics, whatever it is, there's this dialogue that's in the head that everybody's aware of when you're kind of talking to yourself, like, come on, Max, you could have done better. Come on, you did. Is that kind of what you mean by self one and self two? And if so, which one is like the self, this, the unconscious? And if you could kind of try to now maybe paint me a picture of how this will look if we improve upon it in whatever way, because it feels a little abstract to me and I'm trying to piece it together still. So there's this internal dialogue a little bit back and forth. And for me, my intuition says that, you know, the the goal of this is is to try to kind of streamline it into one just kind of awareness and unconscious, like you said, or in the zone or in the flow where you you don't have this back and forth dialogue. Is that kind is that the end goal right there? Is it just to try to have one dialogue rather than two? Well, so the, I I guess the easier way just to give more clarity before we start to build on it, um, the reason it's called self one and self two or self a and self B. So let's just call it self a and self B from, from now on. Um, so the a version of you for, for most people is, is going to be the, the mental side where like a a part of your mind's talking to you and having that either negative or positive self-talk. The second self, self B is the one that, that just physically performs with um, the unconscious capacity. And so while we can sometimes control whether it's positive or negative, the way we talk to ourselves with that, with that first self, with that A self, the A version of ourselves, what we ultimately want to be able to do is quiet the mind, you know, quiet that version of ourselves so that the second one, the, the B version of ourselves, is performing the entire time. Um, and so obviously, as you know, with meditation a lot, that's all about quieting the mind eliminating that that self-talk um you know positive obviously isn't nearly as bad as negative but it's still a distraction um ultimately what you want to do is be able to quiet the the verbal self uh, entirely so that all that's performing whenever you do play is the the physical version of yourself so that you can play unconsciously with your mind totally quiet which in turn is going to allow you to perform at the highest possible level Mm, that makes more sense and how do you how do you make sure that when you're acting out of your unconscious, like whether, like I keep saying, in any area of your life, basketball and beyond, how do you make sure that, you know, when you quiet the rational part of your mind or the dialogue part of your mind, the unconscious part of, your, of yourself is acting in a way that you want it to act? So some people maybe feel like they do bad habits unconsciously or, um, you know, they gravitate to foods that are unhealthy and almost unconsciously or on the court they have unconscious behaviors to, you know, be careless with the basketball or whatever it is. How do you kind of work to program that unconscious, subconscious, so that when you're in the flow and not thinking, you're actually pre- behaving in a way that is congruent with your conscious goals, if that makes sense? Yeah, great, great question. Absolutely. Um, and, and the answer to that is, is kind of twofold. One is, is discipline, so establishing the habits that are going to result in that physical performance that you want or in whatever it's eating or relationships. Um, so yeah, establishing disciplined habits that are going to lead to the behaviors or results that you want. 
to have in this case physically. Um, and then, you know, there's a reason that the guys like Kobe and Steph and all those really high level athletes do the most simplistic, basic fundamentals over and over and over again. And that's because the other side of it is just reps. You have to get your body to where you're doing the correct form, the correct footwork, offensively, defensively, whatever it may be. You have to rep it so many times that it becomes unconsciously effective. And I mentioned this a little bit off air. We could talk about what that cycle looks like, but um, having the discipline to do it correctly and then having the dedication and toughness to just rep the hell out of it, those are the two main pieces that are going to lead to success as far as when you're performing unconsciously or without thinking, making sure you're doing it at as high a level you want to and in the right way. So great question, but yeah, you got to just have an extreme amount of discipline and structure um, within it, which, which is ironic because you would think if you're doing it unconsciously, you know, you want to have yeah. some fluid to it. Um, but then the flip side is, is repping it so that it is a way that comes naturally, that comes loosely. Um, and as you know, man, that only comes from reps. That's why those guys jumpers like, like clay and some of the others look so silky smooth it's just they practice it so many times that it it just happens like that naturally yeah it is this funny thing where you uh you like put in so much time towards something whether it's eating healthy or perfecting your jump shot whatever you said or just like being around people in a certain way it takes so much so much disciplined like effort at first which is counterintuitive to being unconscious and out of your mind but then eventually you get to a point where you've done something enough and it kind of does you, you know, you do the habit enough and eventually the habit does you. And so yeah. you kind of, you're trying to transform discipline into like a mindless flow, like in just a mindless approach. Uh, and this is off topic a little bit, but again, let's go off topic. Let's do it. <laughs> and I think it's relevant to this um, because I just did a, a 21 day cleanse with my yoga teacher training. And in that we gave up, um, I always joked, I called it the power five, like, like the BCS or something, but uh, I gave up caffeine, gluten, meat, and animal products. So like not only meat, but dairy, cheese, all that um, sugar and alcohol for 21 days. And and so yeah, for the first three or four days, it was crazy hard. You know, I was because um, for the first week you're supposed to eat only the exact same meal every single meal for the first seven days to to initiate the cleanse. So for me that was like rice, beans, and in some form of vegetables um i ate that every single every single meal for like seven straight days with an occasional piece of fruit if if the sugar craving went just off the charts but um the point of all that was then yeah after about that seven eight day mark um it felt good i felt so clean so healthy um so much better and then after the cleanse ended and i started to introduce some of those things back into my life and I went out and had like chips and queso one night and felt just so disgusting uh, the day after I had it. So I'd been eating chips and queso like life leading up to that point and usually felt good, felt rewarded when I would have those negative behaviors, those negative actions. And I'm not telling anybody to eat, you know, how to eat. That's not the point of the story. The point is circling back to what you just said, because I think it's a great point. Being disciplined or putting yourself with a positive inner circle or whatever the structure, whatever the success, um, you know, area may be for you can be hard as hell. Growth is hard as hell. Um, but it isn't until you go through it, you get all the way through it. And then you see yourself out on the other side that you realize one, it was 
it was absolutely worth it. But two, the way you were living before was was usually so unhealthy, unproductive, um, whether it's, uh, again, diets, relationships, or most importantly for your listeners, on the court. Yeah, it's almost like in, in trying to reach the, the level you want to reach at, you have to be willing to go through some withdrawal period, maybe four days or a week of absolute suffering. But if you can on a conscious level understand that there's going to be some detoxing, whether from sugar or from bad habits or from bad relationships or whatever, and understanding that there's going to be some suffering. And if you could push through that, then if you go a certain amount of time, like you had said earlier, that becomes the, the normal. And now if you act out of an unconscious behavior, it's a, towards a positive behavior. And then if you want to test it even further, try to go back to the things that you did before <laughs> and you'll feel them in their negativity in a whole new light. And man, I feel that all the time. It's an ebbs and flow with things like diet and even just the people you surround yourself with. So what we talked about kind of, you know, how we can make sure the unconscious so that when we're in flow and when we're in the zone in any aspect of our life, we are doing things that we want to do, positive things. So we talked about that just now. Now, how can we, we talked about in the beginning, the self A and self B, self A being the, did you say the critical self, kind of the, the, the chatter? Yeah. And so to clarify that, that, that talker we have in our head for everybody listening, that thing is the thing in your head. It's the critic of everything you're doing. This is good. This is bad. Should I eat this? Should I not eat this? What am I doing tomorrow? What did I do yesterday? What is my, and this is me. I have, I have like, I'd say my baseline is pretty anxious, like anxious tendencies, always looking forward, very type A thinking like, what's my list? And it takes some very hardcore discipline and practice to quiet that mind. Like you said, so what are some things that you recommend in, in learning to quiet that mind? Yeah, I mean, the easy one and the obvious one for, for me is meditation. Um, ironically, as I went through this, this yoga teacher training, they, the way they have the 200-hour training go is um, you start with some pretty disciplined and structured yoga so that you don't have to think much. It's so structured, so disciplined that it's, almost exclusively physical, which makes a ton of sense. And then the next series you learn is less discipline, less structured. They call it flow or vinyasa. Um, and then there's a slow burn, which is even um, slower, less physical. It's more just uh, yin-type poses that you're going to hold for, for longer periods of time. Um, so your mind, your monkey mind starts to rattle up a little more. And then the last piece of the yoga teacher training is is just – hour-long silent meditations and in, in sitting. Um, and the reason is it's hard to just sit, man. It's hard to be there alone with your thoughts. Um, one of my favorite guys, Alan Watts, um, I use a, a ton of his stuff. You know, he, he says thinking's like a drug and, and stopping thinking is one of the most difficult things to do because we're addicted to having thoughts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's extremely challenging um, but in answer to your question, um, you know, meditation for me is one of the strongest ways and simplest ways to quiet the mind. It's not going to feel simple when you go through it, uh, especially when you start, because it's going to jump all over. A minute's going to seem like forever, and then three minutes, and then five minutes. Um, it was a it was a while before I could get to even thirty minutes. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some discipline. But for me. Meditation is the obvious one. Um, if you can't start there, then I, you know, something like yoga that I know you practice, um, that's a good way to connect the mind and body and kind of take take some baby steps into quieting the mind. 
because um, you still get some movement and that's easier for athletes generally um, being able to to still try and quiet the mind and and stay present connecting the mind and body but still have some movement to it so if sitting meditation is a little too extreme for you um, you might try that but to me those are the two off the top of, of my head especially tied in what we do at mind sport that that's a simple yet really effective way to quiet the mind but um, it, you know it, it takes time it takes reps it's going to take practice you're going to fail a lot um well i shouldn't say fail because there is no good and bad it just is um and you you got to learn to be judgment free of that um but you're going to feel like it's it's hard at first and it will be um but but let that ego go let that judgment go and whatever whatever practices you go with um understand it's going to take time it's going to take reps just like any habit will yeah i like i want to kind of touch back on the point where you said with with your yoga retreat you started very much in the body and fast movement so that it wasn't too much in the head and and you kind of built up to this sense of um you know being a you could do an hour-long meditation which for people listening that's not what we're recommending you do that is very advanced you will you'll be lost in your mind for a little bit but the goal maybe that ryan's recommending here is maybe 10 minutes of sitting in silence and being alone with your thoughts and trying to allow thoughts to come and go but for people even to build up to 10 i know i went like Last year, I went after meditating for a year straight. I went like four to six months without meditating. I almost thought, you know, I had done it enough. Let's see if I could maybe try other things like just journaling and not meditating. Let's see if I've already reaped all the benefits. And I was obviously wrong because now I'm definitely back. But trying to jump back into doing 10 to 15 minutes of meditation was one of the harder things. And like you said, one minute can feel like you're closing your eyes for so long. So I wanted to get your point of view on maybe with people's day-to-day busy lives with school or work or whatever, what can they do that's kind of like similar to your process of doing yoga very much in the body and building up to sitting for an hour? What can people do outside of, you know, Ryan recommended you do some stretches and pair your movement with your breath. That's a great way to get out of your head and into your breath. What's another thing people can do, like whether walking, eating, or I know you talk about this off air before. What are some things people can do to kind of build up that muscle of, detaching from the thought and into the breath without getting straight into just sitting down and meditating for 10 minutes. Yeah, one of my mentors, um, so when I went on a, a seven-day retreat, it was actually his monastery, a guy named Thich Nhat Hanh, but uh, he says mindfulness can be found in just one breath, right? So as you get more advanced, you can kind of push that reset button in your mind, take that one deep breath um, or sacred pause, as some people call it too, where you're responding instead of reacting to things that are happening in your life. Um, but I share that because yeah, be, be judgment-free in, in how long you can do it for. Um, again, where you think you're at practice-wise. Um, because if you can only do it for a minute a day to start, that's all your monkey mind can handle or that's all you feel like you can squeeze in time-wise, um, then start with that. You're right, too, in that there's a bunch of variations of meditation. So on that retreat, that same one from Thich Nhat Hanh's monastery, you meditate with everything you do. So we do a walking meditation for an hour uh, over the course of the day. When you eat, you meditate. So you're just noticing the way foods taste, um, sensations, things you hear as you're eating. You don't talk. Um, you know, you're mindful of the amount of food you eat. You're only supposed to take two handfuls worth of food. After you finish, you wait three to five minutes. Um, you know, again, when you take a bite of, of your food, you're supposed to set your fork down. 
to make sure you're not just man this is this is me every time i'm i'm shoveling food in my mouth and then the second i finish i don't wait three to five minutes i always go right for more so i need to i need to implement that yeah so that's just a and the point is there's all kinds of ways to be mindful um they even go as far as like when you're showering you know again notice the water on your body the smells of soaps or shampoos or whatever i mean you can be mindful in, in quite literally everything you do um, they have signs anywhere that you would do anything over the course of a the day they've got a sign there that is some type of mantra or saying to remind you to be mindful with whatever you're doing even when we're doing um work meditations they call them so i'm like doing heavy shoveling cleaning uh, I was working the compost one day and there was like two giant rattlesnakes and I still had to try and be mindful as I'm doing all that. But they, they try and practice mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath and everything they do. So I share all that because, yeah, I mean, you can find ways throughout your day to just take a, a few long, deep breaths to connect your mind and body again, especially when those stressful events happen or, or triggers, as I call them. And I've even gone as far now to label, like when something happens, I'll, I'll say the word trigger um, or I'll say like what you're talking about. I'll say anxiety. I'll say stress. I'll label it so that I can become more conscious of it and then I can move on from it quicker as opposed to letting it simmer and simmer or snap reacting instead of taking that, that sacred pause, that extra moment to give a thoughtful response instead of a, a snap reaction. I love it. And um, it seems like if you can learn to touch in at, at moments outside of just sitting and sitting meditation like the sitting meditation can be like the the bulk of your mind exercise i like to call it like the bicep brain bicep curl for the brain and coming back to the breath like it's strengthening that ability to come back and, and leave thoughts as they are but if you can learn to do them i'm speaking to myself because i try to catch myself all day like come back come back like when i'm eating like i just said especially eating i'm, I'm rushing through meals i'm like looking at my to-do list and in those moments is when I feel like I really am beginning to feel the benefits of meditation. And for anyone listening, though, the more you can do that throughout your day, that's when it's going to begin to really start to enhance your performance. Whether you're trying to work, for me, if I'm trying to work on something and, and go really deep for two hours straight, I'm going to need the ability to have thoughts come up and I'm going to need the ability to let them go and come right back to the present. And that's strength in meditation. And then, like you said, playing basketball, if you miss six shots in a row or if you have a bad call or if you slip or something happens, your coach is yelling at you, there's someone in the stands, you're going to need the ability to recognize that and, and rely on maybe a meditative practice to come back to your breath present and let that thought just go. So you can actually, like Ryan said, come back into performing in the unconscious performing in that flow state yeah absolutely great great points all across and, and you actually as you were speaking there when you said bicep curl for the brain i think a, a cool way to to talk about different forms of meditation in the basketball world and you just made me think of this so thanks for the uh, inspiration but <laughs> that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> the sitting meditation would almost be like the live like the five on five um so like you want to get good at that. That's like the ultimate form of it, um, you know, almost at the highest level. But think about all the different drills and skill work that you have to do on the basketball court. Right? That's the different ways that you can try and find ways to be mindful and meditate throughout your day. So just like you'd have to get shots up, do footwork, you know, do ball handling. That might be like walking meditation, um, working meditation, you know, eating mindfully, 
So those are things that, that help you establish and connect your practice so that on a certain day, just like we do on the basketball court, we may not have 45 minutes or an hour to play live. Like we might not be able to play pickup that day, but that doesn't mean that you can't do some like skill work, mm. mindful skill work, some meditation skill work to help you strengthen your overall practice. So when you sit down and do that thing live in, in a true raw sitting meditation, um, then you're you're better equipped to do so. I love that. That's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> Literally, because I'm thinking of that. Sometimes I'm trying to get to 20 minutes a day every single day, and it's more like 10. And so just reminding myself that if I can find more actual grounding in my eating and my walking and my conversations, it's it's as if I'm I'm giving myself all the complimentary parts of the dish, and then meditation's the big, you know, main part. So people, Ryan has an amazing app called the MindSport app where it's a meditation app specifically for athletes. Again, I've been diving into it, and the more I'm diving into it, the more I'm just amazed by what he's created. It's a crazy cool resource with yoga, mindset, pregame, postgame, all this stuff, um, and he updates it frequently. So it's super awesome in that way that it's always evolving, always changing to better suit the athletes. Ryan, is there anything that I missed out on that you want to close up with? So, so last piece, and you, you just alluded to it a little bit, um, we're going to start adding new sessions every month. And then this fall, one of the first sports we'll add, probably the first sport, um, we'll have sports-specific sessions within the app. And one of the first ones is going to be basketball. So every single um, verbiage that we use within the sessions in that entire series is going to be basketball-specific. So it'll be on the court when you're dribbling instead of, you know, quarter field or generic terms like that, like we used before. So we'll have some dope videos that'll go within that series too. Um, but everything will be sports specific exclusively for us basketball heads out there. So um, that'll drop sometime this fall. I've already recorded the audio. We just got to get it in the app. That usually takes a month or two. So expect that to be out for you guys uh, in time for your fall season. Sweet. And everybody, I'm going to link up and Ryan and I will be doing more podcast episodes together. So stay tuned for that. Again, a new series I'm dropping is the Mindful Monday series. Ryan and I are super passionate about bringing mindfulness, meditation, things that we believe can help people as people, but also as athletes. So I'm stoked to be collaborating. Uh, Ryan, this is awesome, man. I'm happy to be uh, on this mission with you, brother. And uh, we'll talk next time. Yeah, I agree. Awesome as always. Thanks for having me on. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks again to Ryan Stock for joining me, founder of MindSport Meditation app for athletes. Check out more of my stuff here. I'm going to be posting way more videos, so click all this stuff over here. Make sure you subscribe, and I'm excited to have more coming out. See you guys soon.